Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Protein powders, do runners need them or not? Today, Karen and I are discussing the benefits and drawbacks of protein powders, how to choose a protein powder, and what our favorite brands are and why we recommend them. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Aileen, and I'm here again with Karen, as always. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, it's really great to be here once again. I can't believe uh, how quickly a week passes and that we're back in the hot seat again, Aileen. I know. The time just whizzes by, as I um, So today we're going to share something personal with you, as, as always, about our nutritional running. And uh, before we move on to discuss our topic today, which is focusing on protein powders and whether we as runners need them or not, so, Karen, I think we'll stay on topic today. And so my question to you is, do you use protein powders? And if you do, do you use them regularly? Well, I do, Aileen. I do use um, protein powders, but no, I don't use them regularly. Now, that's partly because I don't always remember to take them. Um, but also, I much prefer to eat my macros rather than drink them. Um, and I think maybe this is partly why I tend to forget to take them. Um, but interestingly, recently, I managed to source a raw protein bar, um, which contains 22 grams of protein per bar, which is really high, actually, because usually they're about 11 or 12 grams per bar. Um, so I do tend to have that now rather than the shake. And uh, and I have to say that I do tend to remember to have that daily, whereas with the shake, I don't. So so it's clearly a, a better choice for me. Um, and, and like I say, that I think the content is actually similar to the protein powder that I was taking. 22 grams is really high. And I think the protein powder I was taking was maybe 23 grams per, per serving. Um, 
And the bar that, just in case anybody's interested, the bar that um, that I'm using is by the Organic Food Bar Company. And it's vegan and it's also gluten-free. And like I say, it's raw as well. And I have to say, it is really tasty, in my opinion anyway. Um, it just depends on your, your what textures and things you like. But I, I love it. But how about you, Aileen? Do you use protein powders? Um. Yes, I do. Um, and I definitely will try out that protein bar because I'm always looking for new things. Mm. Uh, but uh, what I tend to do is I use a protein powder as part of a smoothie. Um, so the protein powder is, is one ingredient in the smoothie and I tend to have it as a, a meal replacement. So if I'm busy for breakfast or lunch, um, I'll maybe whiz up something like that very quickly or sometimes as a post-run snack. Um, so I prefer to use it as part as an ingredient in a meal rather than, you know, using a protein powder and just mixing it with water, which to me seems a bit yucky, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, and, and we did talk about ideas for smoothies in episode 62 and talked about how they, you can use them to support different aspects of nutrition. Um, so uh, people might want to go back and listen to that because I think it, it goes quite nicely with um, this topic mm. uh, and the other way I sometimes use protein powder is um, from time to time I'll make homemade bounce balls or protein bars and again I'll use it as an ingredient there delicious okay so let's uh, let's move on and, and get into the discussion so why do runners need protein powders? So protein powders and specific amino acid supplements are, are widely marketed at athletes, both elite and professional and amateur athletes. Um, and they're also marketed at people making lifestyle dietary choices, such as using the paleo diet or individuals following a, a vegan or a vegetarian diet, um, or even um, people who are you know, in the weight loss arena or, or wanting to change their body composition, reduce fat, increase uh, muscle. Um, so it's a huge, huge industry. And it's um, amazing to know uh, that the global market for protein supplements is thought to be in the region of uh, up to over 16 billion by the year 2025. So not that far away. So that is phenomenal. I can't believe it. That's how much protein powder the world uh, buys. Um, so what we thought we'd do today is, uh, from a runner's point of view, discuss the benefits and the drawbacks of using protein powders, uh, look at choosing a protein powder, thinking about quality, and um, sharing some of our recommendations for brands and, and why we recommend them. So so let's talk about the benefits and the drawbacks first, Karen. Um, but um maybe just before we do that I'm just thinking about why you, why did you think this was a really important topic for us to discuss today because I know it was something you were keen to yes yeah it is Aileen I think it's an important subject to discuss because you know as, as you've just mentioned Aileen there is a huge market for them and it's still growing um but really do people actually need them and and you know, we all know how influential the power of advertising can be. And sometimes people tend to embark on these 
brands and trends without researching the potential risks from consuming them, especially consuming them habitually. And clearly we will delve into to this a bit deeper when we discuss the drawbacks of protein powder. So that was um, that was one reason. And and also the other reason is that it is widely accepted that if you are eating a wide and a varied diet containing natural and healthy protein sources on a daily basis, then potentially supplemental protein isn't actually necessary. And I think that's another reason why it's important to to maybe think about protein powders and where they could be beneficial, but then where they could potentially be detrimental. Okay, so that's that's a good overview of why why we're here talking about this today. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we think about the intake of protein on a daily basis, Karen, um, can you recap on the current recommended daily intake for individuals? Yes, um, I will, Aileen, and, and clearly this will vary um, and vary within people as well as between people within people, depending on what's going on in their lives at the time. But um, for sedentary individuals, the World Health Organization recommendations um, are 0.83 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. So that's for people who are not really um, um, active, they're, they're sort of desk bound or chair bound more most of the time. But the American College of Sports Medicine and also other nutrition and sporting bodies as well, they tend to recommend an increased intake for active individuals. Now, the intake ranges from 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day up to two grams per kilogram. Um, and, but I have to say that the two grams per kilogram tends to be reserved more for individuals focusing on strength and the resistance trainer training, not really so much for us as runners, because as runners, we want to have lean muscle mass, but we don't actually want to be bulky. Thanks, Karen. That's really uh, good just to recap, because I know it's a question we get asked a lot and we mm. answer it a lot, but it's always good just to remember. Um, so now um, let's think more about the benefits and the drawbacks from using protein powders. So um, thinking about the benefits, there's a few that spring to mind for me. I mean, the first one is is body composition. And and you mentioned that briefly um, at the start of the episode, Karen. And we all know that an increase in protein intake is beneficial to weight management. Um, It helps keep you full of the longer and the metabolism of protein uses significant energy. So burning more calories per hour than, say, carbohydrate. So adding a protein powder to, say, a nutrient-dense smoothie for breakfast or having a protein shake as a snack may also support uh, weight management. Um, And also having a protein powder might be an easy way of maintaining muscle mass uh, while you try to lose fat mass during a weight loss program. So that's like a a big... um, benefit really um, and then you know building on that excuse the pun but we've got to think about building muscle um, we know that the body's sensitive um, to muscle protein synthesis for up to 24 hours following a bout of exercise so having a protein powder would be an easy way to increase protein intake during that time frame in order to maintain muscle mass following an endurance run um, and as we know endurance running and distance running is catabolic and it leads to um so that's leading to muscle breakdown so that's another benefit i think of 
using protein powders as uh, part of our nutrition plan. Um, and then another one that I'm thinking about is glucose and insulin regulation. So um, protein promotes insulin secretion, uh, which can help enhance the glucose clearance from the blood. And that leads to the stabilization of blood glucose levels, or as it might be described, uh, promoting blood sugar balance. And that's something we have talked about many times. And, um, and it's key for energy uh, production and, and having those even energy levels. So it helps us get away from the energy dips. Um, and also for the body composition that we've already talked about. Um, and blood sugar balance is, is underpinning good hormonal balance too. So uh, lots of um, good reasons, I think, there uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to include a protein powder. Um, is there anything else that you could think of, Karen? Yes, Aileen, I'm thinking here about um, another reason people might use protein powders is just to um, ensure that they're getting an adequate protein intake. And that's one of the reasons um, how and why I use them, just to just to maintain um, the the uh, 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 an adequate, yeah, an adequate amount of protein per day, and and I think that it's um it, it's an easy way of attaining that protein intake and and attaining it consistently, um and and I think that that is important this consistency of um, protein intake because the body can't store or doesn't store amino acids and the amino acids being the building blocks for protein, um. And I think as a runner, an appropriate daily intake would be really important and is needed for the muscle building, as you mentioned earlier, Aileen, but also so many other metabolic processes in the body, as well as a nerve function, immune function, and also for the health of our, our bone and our soft tissue. So that is um, another reason for, for um, or another benefit from utilising protein powders. And I think it's it's important to note here that sort of amino acid levels in the blood remain relatively constant. So if, say, dietary protein intake was suboptimal, then muscle protein would be broken down um, because it will be needed to um, to maintain that blood level of um, of amino acids, and um, and and it would be taken from muscle principally because fifty percent of total protein is contained within the muscle. So that's going to be the easy option to maintain that blood level. So just thinking about maybe some other practical reasons why protein powders could be beneficial for people. They're clearly really quick and easy to prepare so great for a busy runner who's maybe you know busy running got a busy work life got fa- a busy family life as well so really quick to prepare and also they're portable so they can be taken to work or, or on a car journey and used as a healthy snack to sort of maintain that daily protein intake and then thinking of the distance runner who who might potentially be suffering from digestive issues a protein powder is is really easy to digest and absorb, uh, clearly made into a shake. Um, so it might help prevent some of the digestive issues occurring. Um, and this could also um, potentially benefit 
other individuals as well who suffer from um, digestive symptoms and and who might struggle to d- digest the actual protein rich foods. Um, but Alien, have you got anything else that you would add just before we we move on? Yeah, I mean, something that has come into mind is we're talking here about um, improving body composition from a point of view of um, losing fat and increasing muscle, but also, you know, for people that are trying to build muscle who are already very lean and and don't have much fat, that that could also if mm. can tool to help them. Um, you know, particularly for people that have been ill and they're trying to recover from something, um, and other things that. Um, good to take into consideration is that protein powders do have a high protein content in one serving um so it's really you know can be used as a great recovery strategy to maintain the muscle mass that we talked about earlier uh, they they are pure protein so they, they're not a combination food so animal fats particular or animal foods particularly um tend to include some fat so that might um you know you're getting a combination food uh and then um sometimes there are uh, protein foods um what i'm trying to say is that protein powders um usually are only protein and they don't have fat or carbohydrate with them uh, the carbohydrate can also interfere with the efficient digestion and absorption so i think knowing that you're having pure protein can be quite a benefit um and then also thinking about um the amino acids uh the breakdown of amino acids in a protein powder often um they contain what is known as the branch chain amino acids so leucine isoleucine and valine and they're uh, very important for stimulating muscle protein synthesis and the muscle protein repair and protein powders generally contain a complete amino essential amino acid profile um, so they're the, the essential ones are the ones that we need to obtain from the diet uh, because the body can't synthesize them so um, that's another good reason to um, include a protein powder so um shall we now move on loads of benefits there karen mm-hmm. i haven't counted them up but it was quite a lot uh shall we talk about some of the drawbacks now of protein powders um, what can, can you tell us Yes, well, the first important point to mention, Aileen, is actually linked to the the branched-chain amino acids that you've just been talking about. And yes, they are really important for triggering the muscle protein synthesis, but it has been found that they that they compete with tryptophan. Now, just as a reminder, you know, tryptophan is uh, another amino acid that's required for the synthesis of serotonin, which is our feel-good hormone, and melatonin, our sleep-inducing hormone. And the branched-chain amino acids, like I say, compete with tryptophan at that blood-brain barrier. So, um, so, so what can happen is if there's if there's too much of the branched-chain amino acids, then the tryptophan's not going to be able to get across that blood-brain barrier. So, thinking about individuals who maybe suffer from mind-mood symptoms, and or maybe have some sleep issues, taking a protein powder containing high amounts of the branched-chain amino acids might not actually be appropriate and I would say definitely not taking a branched chain amino acid supplement only because you can get those you can get um, you can get 
protein powders that contain all of the essential amino acids that you were speaking about, Aileen. But you can also get supplement form, sometimes in powders, sometimes in tablet form, of just the branch chain amino acids. So for this group of people, that wouldn't necessarily be supportive or helpful and maybe detrimental. And, and it has been suggested that taking branched-chain amino acid supplements alone might not stimulate the muscle protein synthesis cascade appropriately. So now this is new data, this is new information, so clearly that needs to be um, looked at in more depth. But um, what it's saying is that really they recommend that that the branch chain amino acids are consumed within a protein powder containing all the essential amino acids and not sort of on their own. And then additionally, um, thinking about the the drawbacks um, of protein powders, if, say, there's an overuse of um, protein powders, that could lead to an overall excess protein intake. Now, again, this is recent research. It is noted that an excess protein intake could result in more undigested protein protein-derived constituents or metabolites, as they're called, so from the breakdown of protein, could end up in the large intestine. Now, this is thought to then lead to more colonic fermentation of dietary amino acids, which could result in the production of end products such as um, ammonia, sulfides, and other compounds as well that have shown to have systemic and metabolic effects. So it's a bit of, it's like leading to a dysbiosis really of the digestive system because there's a lot more of the amino acids being fermented uh, um, into bacteria rather than the carbohydrates that we that we are aware of that are, are, are mostly beneficial. Now, detrimental effects that this is thought to be linked to include um, neurological, cardiovascular, also gut function, as well as um, compromised immunity. And it is thought that these end products could be implicated in the development and potentially the severity as well of conditions, including colorectal cancer and also some metabolic diseases, including obesity, diabetes and also non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So really interesting, I thought. Yeah, interesting and uh, quite sobering, Karen, because I don't think many people will think about the concept of overusing protein powders. So, um, you know, obviously the things that you've mentioned are, are going to take some time to develop, but um, it would be sad to think that, uh, you know, something that you were taking that you thought was being helpful could be contributing in a negative way. Absolutely. And I think what I would just add here, Aileen, is that, you know, protein powder overuse would only occur really if it was causing you to overconsume protein on a daily basis. So if if it's helping an individual to attain the required intake, then that is going to be okay and possibly beneficial. Um, it's when it's it, people are, are taking protein powders and maybe taking sufficient protein foods on as well. Um, but and I, but I think it's also important to just ensure that you're not using them and depending on them to the detriment of real food. Because as we know and as we always advocate, food comes first. Yeah, and, and just going back to, you know, a few um, 
few sentences away, we talked about the um, the amount of protein you should take. That's why knowing those sort of guidelines is important, so that you know that because if you if you're taking a, a protein powder, you know, two or three times a day consistently every day, you're probably going to be uh, and having food as well. You are definitely going to be over the limits, aren't mm. you? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, and there are other situations as well where um, it might not be beneficial um, to take a protein powder. And I'm thinking, again, it's a serious uh, situation, but there are people out there who have compromised kidney function. And um, if you're one of those people, you'll probably know that having uh, an overall high dietary protein intake can cause increased renal pressure, and that can result in uh, kidney dysfunction and injury. Um, so again, uh, it's, it's important to know about that, although it's thought that it's the animal-derived protein that's more of a risk factor than plant-based protein sources. Um, and it's the animal-derived protein that's, and the potential factors linked to, uh, to kidney damage uh, are related to that animal protein. So, um, you know, the things that people may have heard about are dietary acid load, um, the phosphate content of the food, um, potentially um, gut dysbiosis, which is something that you mentioned earlier, Karen, and also inflammation. So again, if you've got a kidney condition, bear all this in mind and be conscious about what proteins you're eating. Yeah, that's a really good point, Aileen. I think sort of alongside that uh, kidney dysfunction, it would be important to mention sort of liver function as well, because the liver is the main organ responsible for filtering sort of relatively toxic end products of protein metabolism. For example, the ammonia that I was speaking about earlier, and this is sort of... um, um, detoxified and filtered through the the urea cycle. Now urea, it's so it's broken down into urea, and it's a relatively non toxic waste product. That um, what it does is it safely stores the likes of ammonia and other nitrogen derived end products until they can be removed from the body. But when, say, ammonia is not successfully removed from the blood, maybe due to impaired liver function or maybe an overwhelmed detoxification process, which could be due to the excess protein intake. And when this happens, when when the ammonia, ammonia isn't efficiently removed from the blood, the the plasma um, concentration of it increases, which may cause some negative health effects such as neurological impairment. And and it has been thought that this could be linked to um, some conditions, including um, Alzheimer's and um, Huntington's disease. So again, to, to, you know, anybody with with compromised kidney function or liver function, I would say just be really mindful about the 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 use and certainly the overuse of protein powders. Yeah, that's um, serious and sobering, as I said earlier. But it's important that we're all aware of this. So I think um, yeah, it's good that you've highlighted these things, Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been you know talking about. Uh, the potential drawbacks, but there may be some others that uh, might be more considered to be side effects rather than drawbacks. Um, So things like, um, you know, once you start using protein powders, you might notice things like flatulence or bloating, 
cramps, tiredness, weakness, headaches. Um, and, you know, the side effects are thought to be relatively rare, but if you are experiencing them and you regularly take a protein powder, it might just be worth assessing if it's a cause. So, you know, take them out of your food plan, see if it makes any difference, um, add them back in, see if you've got the symptoms again. Um, and, um, yeah, just uh, I was I was my advice always is when you're taking on something new like that is not to take it in a big amount, you know, to add it in in small amounts and then you can assess or just give your body chance to get used to processing them really. Um, okay, so um, we need to sort of uh, move on and talk about um, some other uh, other areas, Karen. So um, can we talk about with the runner in mind, some groups of runners who may benefit from taking a protein powder? Yeah, absolutely. And um, so thinking about that runner and, and who might benefit, um, sort of we've looked at a couple where it might not be so beneficial, sort of thinking about the hepatic and renal compromised individuals. But for, for thinking about the runner and, and who might benefit from it, I'm thinking about maybe the runners who are vegetarian or vegan, just to ensure that they are getting the appropriate and adequate amounts of protein. Also, runners recovering from injury and also illness as well runners wanting to lose weight or fat mass like we've spoken about quite a bit today and also um, runners looking for a quick and easy pre or post exercise snack and also I think older runners um, where um, because in older runners you know that muscle mass muscle mass loss um, is much greater. Um, I think we've spoken about it in the past, how it can decrease by between one and three percent um, per year. So maybe they would benefit from um, from a protein powder as well. But it is about ensuring that you don't over consume these products over a long period of time. You know, I think really they're best utilised strategically and for a limited time to support somebody who may have sort of a limited intake or maybe require enhanced intake for any of the reasons that I've just mentioned, really. Um, and I think for for a vegetarian or a vegan, clearly they've made a lifestyle choice and it's for the long time term. So really it would be about learning how to ensure that the diet contains an appropriate intake of protein consistently. So, um, and this might require working with a nutrition professional to achieve this rather than depending on the protein powders chronically. So that would be my advice there. Great. So that's been a lot of information, Karen. So we've covered <laughs> lots as, as usual. Uh, we've discussed some of the benefits of protein powders, including supporting body composition, building muscle, um, helping with insulin sensitivity. Uh, we've highlighted the potential drawbacks, including some irritating side effects such as wind and bloating, and also some important factors, including the potential for compromised hormone production, and renal and liver dysfunction. Um, and we've also just recapped and said that it's really important to think about using protein powders strategically. Um, and certain people, including runners, um, might find them helpful if they're uh, recovering from an injury or an illness. 
and uh, particularly a vegan or vegetarian runner who's interested in um, topping up their protein levels and um, for a runner looking for a, a quick snack as a, a, a pre or post uh, recovery uh, snack. So um, we've talked about this strategic use, Karen. Um, so now let's think about what we should be looking at when we're choosing a protein powder um, so what advice have you got? Yes, well, basically, protein powders are concentrated sources of protein from either animal or plants, foods or, or sources. Um, and I'm thinking here of that they generally come from the likes of dairy or eggs, rice or peas. And they tend to come in three different forms. Um, there's protein concentrates. Now, these are produced by extracting protein from whole food using um, heat um, and acid or enzymes and these typically supply 60 to 80 percent of protein with the remaining 20 to 40 percent composed of fat and carbohydrates and then the the second form um, are protein isolates now what happens here is that there's an additional filtering process to remove more of the fat and the carbohydrates which then further concentrates the protein content and um which means that a protein isolate powder contains around 90 to 95% of protein and then the third form is um a protein hydrolysate now this is produced by further heating with either the acid or the enzymes, which breaks the bonds between the amino acids. And this means that the the protein powders in the hydrolysate are absorbed more quickly by the body and by the muscles. And also, it is thought that the hydrolysate form um, may raise insulin levels more than the other forms. Um, it, it's certainly in the in the case of the the whey powder being in the hydrolysate form, and this again could potentially enhance muscle growth uh, following exercise. Um, I think it's also worth noting that with some protein powders, they are also fortified with um, vitamins and minerals. So I think it's really important to, to, to make your choice depending on your individual requirements and your individual goals. But certainly the protein isolate powders would be the one that um, would be providing more protein um, per serving, certainly um, uh, comparing it against the concentrate. Mm, yeah so I think that's really again really helpful information because I guess a lot of people are looking at labels not knowing what these things mean so mm. that'll be really helpful to add an extra layer of um, discernment mm. when you're choosing when you're choosing your protein powder mm. um, and there is a vast array of protein powders out there you know as you said from uh, whey to casein to pea to hemp um we can't discuss them all, um, but let's let's look at a few. So, um, starting with whey protein. So, whey protein is um, the protein that comes from milk, and uh, the liquid is separated from the curds during cheese making. So, that's where people might have heard of whey protein. It's particularly high in, in protein, and but it also harbors lactose, which is a milk sugar. And some people have difficulty digesting. Um, those milk sugars. So while whey protein contains um, concentrate, retains some lactose, uh, the 
isolate version contains very little because most of this milk sugar is lost during processing. Um, another thing to know is that whey digests quickly and it's rich in the branched-chain amino acids that we've talked about. Um, and leucine, one of these branched-chain amino acids, is um, particularly known for playing quite a major role in promoting muscle growth and recovery after resistance and endurance. So um, that's a, a little bit of an overview way. Um, Karen, could you maybe talk to us about the pea protein and, and the soya? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So so just looking at pea protein first. Now, pea protein powder is... Um, Really, I suppose, especially popular amongst vegetarians and vegans and people also with allergies or sensitivities to, say, dairy or eggs. Because interestingly, you can get egg protein powders as well. And I have to say, Aileen, personally, I've never seen an egg protein powder in the shops, but um, apparently they are available. Have you ever sourced a, 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 an egg protein powder? Well, I mean, if you, why wouldn't you just have an egg? protein because I've not heard of that. No, I haven't. I haven't. But anyway, getting back to pea protein, it's made from, um, generally made from the yellow split pea. Um, and, and, you know, the yellow split pea is a really high fibre legume and, um, and it boasts most of the essential amino acids. So one of the ones that contains um, in, in the, in the plant sources, um, um, sort of claims to have the most of the essential amino acids in it. Um, and also pea protein is particularly rich in the branch chain amino acids when you compare it against other um, plant sources as well. And um, there have been lots of different studies on pea protein um, that's, that's shown various things, including that um, whey protein, that um Pea protein is absorbed slower than, say, whey protein, um, but faster than casein um, protein. So, again, it will depend on how you're using the protein powder. Are you looking at it for weight, say, for weight management? Therefore, you want a slower, a more slowly process, processing one, digestion and absorption, or do you want it to be uh, digested and absorbed really quickly because you're looking at it from a muscle building point of view? And then, um, you know, other studies have, have shown that um, pea protein on a daily basis um, can increase muscle thickness um, as much as um, as the same amount consumed of whey protein. So that's interesting. And also um, that it's supportive in um, reducing blood pressure um, in a similar way to um to looking at whey proteins as well and um but but you know these are some studies that have been done but clearly as always there needs to be more high quality research into these different areas just to confirm that that pea protein is supportive in these different ways and then thinking about soy protein that is classed as a, as a high quality protein and it's one that has been well researched for very many different reasons linked to sport but also linked to general health as well and it contains all the essential amino acids the same as whey does um, but 
I have to say that they're in lower quantities than the way on a on a per gram basis. So clearly you could get the same amount of the essential amino acids as whey, but you'd have to consume more of the soy. Um, with the soy proteins, they do contain phytates, which um, can interfere with um, the absorption of many different nutrients. But it also interferes with trypsin, which in turn interferes with um, peptide digestion. Now, um, protein protein digestion um breaks down the proteins into peptides. So that is then further um, digested and uh, these phytates can prevent that happening. Um, So therefore, it's going to prevent the um, amino acids being absorbed. It has been shown to support hormone hormone balance in females. Um, But I have to say that soy protein powders in the isolate or the concentrate form have been shown to have a higher risk of of estrogen-linked cancers. So um, actually choosing soy foods rather than the soy protein powders is what we would recommend, um, just sort of looking at the the research that is out there. Um, When when sort of looking at the soy foods, there, there isn't... The, the the same link to cancers as there is when you look at the the, the sort of isolated form um, of soy. So, Aileen, what other considerations would you suggest to anyone um, when making making their protein powder choices? Um, well, I think as you've said, it's all about choosing one that's right for you. So, um, what are your reasons for taking a specific? Um, protein powder from an effectiveness point of view uh, what results are you looking for um you know is it optimal protein intake is it efficient recovery is it enhanced performance is it the body composition goals whatever they might be um i think taste is really important it's really good to trial different brands um until you find your preferred one um they you know they're very ex- they can be very expensive i've made a very big mistake way back you know I'm talking years and years ago never had a a protein powder before and somebody recommended and I bought this huge tub and just couldn't eat it it was just horrible Mm. um so don't spend 50 pounds on something until you know you like it that's what I would say um and remember they do come in different flavors um I tend to choose a natural one and flavor it myself um but, you know, if, if you know that you like strawberry or banana or chocolate, um, you know, do make it easy if you solve by choosing one that's already flavoured. Uh, but just be careful that you've um, that there's not extra sweeteners in that you don't need. Um, often um, a lot of companies will offer um, sample sachets before you buy the large packs. Um, and as I said earlier, I would always recommend introducing anything new in small quantities let your digestion system get used to the product before you take a full portion um, i've had clients particularly with pea protein who've you know suffered you know severe bloating and cramping and then that puts them off wanting to use it um, so i think with everything it's just let your body get used to it before you you start having it um, in full portions regularly um, and then, you know, quality, I think it's really important. We've talked a lot about, um, you know, choosing a high quality product or so a protein that's got a high uh, biological value to ensure that you're getting um, 
the right amount of the essential amino acids and um, that you, you're choosing something that is um, based on the, the right amount of essential amino acids compared to plant-based options, um, which tend to be typically lower. Um, and then thinking about ingredients, so I'd just say read the label before you buy it, ensure that the ingredients are natural. Um, it's the same sort of principle that you would apply to buying supplements. Check for bulking agents, for chalks, for sweeteners, including the artificial sweeteners, and, and avoid them. So always with the label, the fewer ingredients that are on them, the better. Um, I do take on board what you said earlier, Karen, about you know some of them have got extra vitamins and minerals and that can be really great and I, I quite like that because it means that you you're almost like getting a multivitamin in your drink or your smoothie food whatever where you have it um, and then finally I would just say um, don't get taken in by the marketing and sales spin um, so you know we said earlier that the market is huge and there's a lot of lovely images and taglines that would, you know, suck you into buying something that maybe isn't the right thing for you. So choose carefully, read the label, uh, be prepared to spend a reasonable amount. Um, so focus on quality and value rather than cheap and cheerful. Um, but make sure that you're getting something that is is right for you. And I, I've had people, I don't know whether you have Karen as well, who come to my clinic and they, they proudly present me with their protein powder or they send me a photograph of it and you know my heart sinks when I read the label because I know that they they think they've chosen something that's the best for them and it's not always so um absolutely and what I do Aileen in that case because I I think like you've just said you know read the label I don't think a lot of people oh there are a lot of people who don't read the labels so when my clients present me with something like that I quite often sort of copy and paste or take a photograph of the ingredients and let them see it and they're quite shocked when they when they see the amount of ingredients and then I take them through the ingredients, they really are quite shocked by it. So yeah, definitely, definitely, um, it's important to to read the labels. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else, Karen, that we need to um, think about when choosing? Yeah, only to say here, Aileen, to um, choose one that contains the full complement of the essential amino acids, like we were speaking about earlier, not just the the branch chain amino acids, because it's thought that that um, for supporting muscle protein synthesis, and then also thinking about the links to um, hormones at the blood brain barrier, then um, including the branch chain amino acids as a full protein powder would be more beneficial, and all. Also, just um, to be mindful of allergies and sensitivity. So for anybody who may have a sensitivity or allergy to, to dairy protein or potentially soy protein as well, then emit emit the the whey protein and and the soy and then finally really just as a side note i would just say to everybody to remember to drink sufficient fluids when taking protein supplements because you know the body requires water to break down and to metabolize protein so that's just a a side tip really alien yeah no that's a good tip definitely um and i was also thinking about uh, the protein intake you know you were talking about those protein bars earlier 
uh, that's an easy one to overconsume as well because people are eating them like snacks, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's another way that uh, people might overdose without realising. Um, so, yeah, some good practical um, tips and suggestions there for choosing um, a protein powder. Um, just wondering, Karen, if there are any female factors that uh, female runners should be considering. Yes, actually, there are a couple, Aileen. Um, so, so just thinking about the um, soy protein powder, um, we were saying earlier that that may lead to an increased risk of developing an estrogen-driven cancer, and and this really is because the soy in its isolated form um, rather than its its food state form. Um, and hence why sort of thinking about having food state soy instead is potentially, you know, it's shown uh, less of a risk of the cancers occurring. Therefore, you know, we would recommend um, having, the, having the foods, for example, the edamame beans, tofu, tempeh, seitan. There are lots of different soy-based foods out there rather than having the soy protein powder. And it is um, thought that a chronic low protein intake could lead to some menstrual disorders, especially in female athletes. So for some female athletes, they may require a protein powder for a period of time, really as a preventative measure until they can. Um, so it's about sort of assessing and addressing a, a, a potential low protein intake on a daily basis and using a protein powder as part of that for a period of time. And then also thinking about the midlife runner, she may require additional protein, again, due to that increased muscle loss as we age that I spoke about earlier, Aileen. And clearly this is going to to happen for males as well. Um, But so maybe just adding a a protein in the form of a protein powder may be helpful for that, that midlife female runner but that, that those are those are really the key female factors that um that I can come up with okay so um let's just um round up so we've, we've mentioned here that protein powders tend to come in three different forms so the concentrate the isolates and the hydro hydrolyze how do we say that Karen hydrolyzes right I'll let you say that um, <laughs> so there's lots of different protein powders to choose from and um, when making your choice really think about quality what the ingredients are in, uh, the, in the in the product that you're choosing how effectively they'll work for you uh, of course we've got to think about taste and uh, price would be a consideration uh, for most of us yeah, absolutely, Aileen. And thanks for that. Thanks for that little roundup. And um, I'm just wondering, actually, Aileen, if this might be a good point to take um, a short advert break. So I know you've been speaking, but I'm going to hand back to you again for the break. OK, that's fine. Um, so this is the point of the episode where Karen and I take a minute to uh, just tell you a little bit about what we do outside of the podcast um, so as, as many of you will know, we're, we're busy working women, just like you. Uh, we run for health, fitness, achievement and fun too. And uh, over the years, we've had our own personal running performance struggles. Uh, even as nutritional therapists, we have our struggles. And um, But what we found is that we, we can resolve those struggles with a foundational everyday uh, healthy eating plan. And we fine tune it with sports nutritional principles to maximize running performance and also particularly to help minimize injury. And 
what we did was we gathered all of our um, expertise and resources together and we created an online recorded uh, video program called Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners. It's a short and sweet video program. Uh, you can complete it quite quickly, so in 30 minutes a day over two weeks, or if you prefer, you can spread the, um, the videos out over a longer period. Um, and you also get some easy actions to take after each video and lots of resources to help you put everything into practice. Um, so if you've been listening today and you'd like to know more about how to apply both everyday nutrition alongside sports-specific nutrition, then we really think this program is a great place to start. And, uh, and as I said earlier, you get lots of resources and some easy action steps. So if you're interested, you can find the program on our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. All you need to do is look at the top menu bar, click on online program, and um, you'll be able to find all about the, the program there. And if you've got any questions, uh, please feel free to email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. Now, we've just recently introduced a special thank you um, to you as one of our valued listeners. And we've got a special offer for you to use if you're interested in buying the program. So if you go to the uh, shopping cart, um, all we ask you to do is put in the coupon code POD, so P-O-D, and that will give you a 33% discount off the full price of the program. And that brings the price down to £199. Um, so if that's of value to you, uh, please use the coupon code and we'll put it in our show notes too, right at the bottom of the show notes. Um, so you can click on the link there uh, and uh, get access to the program on the discount code. That's great. Thanks very much, Aileen. So, so for the last few minutes, we thought we could maybe give you some of our protein powder recommendations. And I have to stress that they are our recommendations. You know, there are so many products out there of different prices, quality and efficacy. But the ones that we are going to recommend are ones that we've tried and tested either ourselves or with our clients or maybe both. So um, but, but I have to stress again that, um, you know, we do advocate the food first approach. If you are eating a healthy and well-balanced diet containing adequate protein at each meal, then a protein powder may not be necessary at all for you. So, but just thinking about recommendations, as I was saying at the beginning, I do take a protein powder sometimes. And I have to say that my all time favorite one is by Motion Nutrition. Now, they have a classic whey powder one which is the one I use, but they also do have vegan options as well. And all of the products are 100% organic. They don't contain any fillers or synthetic flavorings. And also the original protein powder products were produced in collaboration with a, a really well-respected nutritional therapist. Um, and also the whey one contains the full range of um, the essential amino acids, including good levels of the branch chain amino acids. So that those are all the reasons why I tend to use that product. But there are some other good and natural products out there um, to suit different palates and dietary preferences for example there's a company called creative nature now all their products are raw and vegan and then there's another company called purition and they have both vegan and whey products a bit like motion nutrition really um and i think 
Probably most brands tend to sell vegan and non-vegan brands, but there are some companies who are just completely vegan-based um, or plant-based. So, um, so it is about personal choice and personal preference. Um, Aileen, which products would you recommend and, and why would you recommend them? Yeah, well, when I'm thinking of clients, I, I usually start by thinking about other aspects of their health as well as their running and training. So that helps me sort of like either rule certain products out or in, depending on what they need. Um, and also I'll be considering their dietary preferences. So are they vegan? Do they have any intolerances? Um, I, I'm always advising them to choose uh, protein powders free of added sugars and sweeteners or, or other additives that's what as we spoke about earlier so I tend to go for the unflavored varieties personally and then as I said earlier I can add my own savory or sweet additions like fruits or cacao for sweetness uh, but sometimes I'll put them in a green smoothie or a savory dish um, so I like my protein powder to be flexible and I can use it in different ways um, so the one my my favorite sort of go-tos are Sun Warrior uh, who are raw and vegan um, and I also like Pulsin um, they um, they have whey and vegan options so the Sun Warrior is sort of a bit more expensive than Pulsin um, and also the thing I like about Pulsin is they do a smaller pack as well so particularly for uh, clients who've not tried a protein powder before I'm not asking them to invest too much money up front until they get used to the idea um, but some warrior have lots of fantastic products and, and they're around the world so you know you can get them wherever you, you live um, there are others um, I've heard other uh, nutritional therapist colleagues and clients talking about uh, companies uh, like Purple Balance uh, so they're vegetarian and vegan um, indigo nutrition they're vegan only and then you mentioned actually earlier Karen I think the organic protein company was that the company that did the bars uh, no that's a different one again okay. uh, very similar name you're correct mm, but, yeah. but no, the organic protein company just do protein powders I believe all oh, right okay and I know they focus on whey only yes. so um, yeah there's, there's lots to choose from but hopefully Today, you know, we've given you a sort of a checklist of things that you can think about when you're choosing a product. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, Aileen, there are so many on the market, which does make it really difficult to choose one. Um, but Aileen, you, you, you know, you briefly mentioned how you use protein powder. So I'm just wondering if maybe just before we finish, maybe we could share a few ideas of how our listeners could introduce protein powders into their diet if a protein powder is appropriate for them. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's let's do that. Uh, do you want me to start? Yeah, yeah, go on. You carry on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think as you said, you know, and we've already um, explained they're really versatile protein powders and they can be used in lots of different ways and I like them because they're great when you need protein quickly um, so I, I love a breakfast smoothie and um, what I do is an easy smoothie is I'll, I'll mix um, usually 200 to 300 um, mils of uh, a non-dairy milk so I, I quite like almond milk or coconut milk um, but you could use a, a dairy milk if you necessary if that's what works for you and then I'll add various uh, fruits or vegetables depending on my preference at the moment one of my favorites at the moment is 
mango. So I'll have frozen mango. I'll put in some almond milk and uh, a couple of handfuls of spinach. And then I've got three ingredients and I've got a really nice smoothie uh, along with my protein powder, obviously. Um, and then um, the other ways you could use them at breakfast time is you could add cereal or porridge or, um, you know, overnight oats. So different ways to, uh, again, boost the protein content of those breakfast dishes. Um, I also would use a protein powder uh, in a shake or as a pre or post training uh, snack. Um, and again, that sort of gives me immediate quality protein and uh, for the muscle growth and repair, as, as you've mentioned, Karen. And um, I'll add things, sometimes a, a banana, maybe a, a small piece of banana or some other fruit for some carbohydrate if, if that's what I need. Um, particularly, that's good post-training. So one of the things I do is I'll cut bananas up into uh, quarters and I'll freeze them and then I can just take out the amount that I need for my smoothie and it gives me a nice taste uh, without having to have a full banana so that's what I do what do you do Karen do you have any any other suggestions yeah some great ideas there Aileen um I've got some suggestions Aileen I don't know I, it's not what I personally use because I tend to just have my protein powder with um, some non-dairy milk and maybe some turmeric in it. So I'm not very adventurous with my protein powder at all. I just have it as, as a drink. But but sort of thinking about meals and how you could add them to meals, you could potentially add a non-flavoured one to a savoury dish. So I'm thinking here maybe of soups. Um, you know, that, that way I think would be really easy because you could just add it before you blend the soup in a mixer. And that would add it in. But you could also maybe think about adding it to um, stews and casseroles. So in dishes where it can kind of get lost in the food. So you're not aware it's there and it's flavorless, but it's going to, to add more to, to that to that dish, more protein to that dish. But also you could, you could consider it at bedtime um, and could have it as a bedtime snack and maybe mix in some casein um protein powder at this point that you know that's the other form of milk protein that we did mention um briefly i think earlier but we didn't go into any detail but but um casein is thought to support sleep and improve muscle repair overnight partly because it's much slower uh, much slower release than than the whey powder so um having a mix of both at bedtime might um might be helpful here so those would be my suggestions um but just a word of advice um before we finish i would say you know aim to have only one serving of protein powder per day if required. Um, and I think really aim to get the remainder of your protein needs from your food, for example, from fish, from poultry, the eggs, some quality red meat potentially in there as well, uh, the legumes, the nuts and the seeds. And also you'll get a small amount of, um, of protein from grains. And also a tiny amount also from some vegetables, for example, from potatoes, you will get some. So, um, so yes, yeah, so the, the protein powders, I think I would like to end on saying that they have a place, um, but food definitely comes first. They do. And I've thought of a couple of other um, ways of using protein powder. Or one way that I particularly like is um, I'll make a sort of a, an ice cream with protein powder. Yeah. It's a bit weird. But... Um, 
all all I do really is do it the same as I would make a smoothie, but with less liquid. Um, and it sort of goes very uh, thick, and uh, then you can just eat it with a spoon. So if if I've got a sweet tooth, um, I'll maybe make a chocolate one with some frozen fruit. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. use raw cacao and protein powder. So that's another way. But that is, and as you're speaking, Aileen, I've, I'm just thinking, you know, another another way that you could um, utilise it is, say, in flapjacks, or if you make your own energy balls, yeah. uh, you could maybe just put in slightly less of the oats in the flapjacks and and add some protein powder instead, just to 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 sort of build up the the protein a bit in that in that snack. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, what I find is that all of the companies that we've mentioned uh, will have recipe blogs as part of yes. their website. So um, I'm on Sun Warriors list and also Paulson's list, and they're always sending recipes through. Um, so it'll give you a, you know, if you look at them, you'll get a broader range of, of different ways of using uh, the protein powder. Yeah, good ideas. So what we're really saying is that protein powders do have a place in the diet of certain periods for a period of time, but you shouldn't use them chronically as a replacement for food sources of protein. Um, There's lots of different protein powders on the market, and the ones that we particularly enjoy ourselves are uh, Motion Nutrition, Sun Warrior and Pulsin. They're very versatile. They can be used any time of day and with any meal. And uh, that really brings us to the end of another episode, Karen. Um, before we go, uh, as always, could you give us your key takeaways from today's conversation? Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. So my key takeaways would be just to remember that it's important that if you are eating a wide and varied diet containing natural and healthy protein sources on a daily basis, then supplemental protein is not necessary. Um, Just a reminder that the World Health Organization currently recommends 0.83 grams per kilogram of body weight per day of protein for sedentary individuals. But the American College of Sports Medicine and other bodies recommend an increased intake for active individuals. Now, this ranges from 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day up to two grams per kilogram um, of body weight per day and depending really on what type and how much exercise is actually being completed. And there are many benefits to consuming a protein powder, including the things that we've discussed, um, supporting body composition, building muscle and increasing insulin sensitivity. But there are also some drawbacks um, that you need to consider um, from consuming protein powders, including some irritating side effects, such as an embarrassing side effects potentially as well, including wound and bloating, but also some more important factors, including potential compromised hormone production and renal liver dysfunction. And when choosing a protein powder, there are several things to consider, including the quality, which include what ingredients they contain, but also its effectiveness um, needs to be considered, as well as taste. And of course, price is going to be important for everybody as well. And runners who may benefit from taking a protein powder for a period of time include vegetarians or vegans and or vegans, runners, runners recovering from injury or illness, also runners trying to lose weight and possibly the older runner um, where muscle 
muscle loss is much greater. And then, as we've just said, you know, protein powders are very versatile and can be introduced at any time of the day and with any meal, as we have shown. And then finally, um, some food first ideas to take away with you and to consider first include fish, poultry, eggs, again, the quality red meat, legumes, grains, nuts and seeds. So there's a lot of food choices out there. And if you're if you're sort of including all of these varieties in your diet regularly, then potentially um, there, there is no need to be consuming a protein powder. And that's it, Aileen. Well, that's great. So that was quite a long episode. We hope everybody's enjoyed it and uh, we've given you all the information you need to choose your next protein powder. So thanks as always, Karen. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband, which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. Mm -hmm.